Welcome to the Leadership Exposé podcast. This podcast is for leaders at diverse levels and organizations around the world who are seeking to scale and transform their leadership to level up their business and to create an impact in the lives of people all around them. Business topics, trends, innovation, and the intersection with leadership is the focus. We enable success. I'm your host, Stephen Paul. In this episode, we meet a creative leader and a strategic architect designing and delivering complex enterprise, human and systemic transformations. She created a multidimensional transformation framework, blending artificial intelligence, data science, engineering and social sciences. She leads transformative innovations at Fortune 100 enterprises to create emotional, economic and brand value with her team. We're excited to have Ms. Jyoti Balani, founder and managing director of FreshRiver.ai. She holds a portfolio of advisory roles at several firms and is a co-founder of Women in Voice at the New Jersey US chapter. Today, we'll learn about leading the next generation of humans building the exponential age, what that means and how Jyoti is making a difference and connecting the dots with her team and the disruption of multiple ecosystems. Welcome, Jyoti. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm doing really well. It's a Friday, so <laughs> I can't complain. I can. I cannot agree with you more. Um, I'm based in in London, and it's been a sweltering, hot week, and it's going to be like this next week. Uh, what about you? Where are you based, Jyoti? Uh, so I'm in northern New Jersey. It's just about 35 miles west of New York City. Uh, so the weather actually, I cannot complain, has been really beautiful in the mornings. I go for a walk with my uh, miniature poodle and my coworker, Charlie, and then of course it gets hot during the day. So we're all cozily inside air-conditional places. <laughs> well, thank God it's Friday and yes. uh, we're definitely looking forward to the weekend as well. Indeed, indeed. Jody, tell us a little bit more about uh, your personal journey and your intersection with the professional side of things as well. Sure. Uh, it's been quite a roller coaster of a ride. Um, so, you know, originally born in India, raised in the Middle East, and then my professional and married family life has been in the US. So I call myself a global citizen, um, you know, having had the experiences that I've had um, and the mentors I've had, uh, you know, starting with my father, my husband, and some incredible bosses along the journey. Uh, so, you know, just like any other good brown Indian girl uh, went into computer science, you know, it's a little bit of a, of a cliche because yeah. uh, my dad at the time said, hey, you know what, computer science is rising, why don't you just do that? And I said, all right, I'll do that. I did that. I did software engineering roles for the first couple of years of my career, but I soon realized my real passion lied in, you know, what problem are we trying to solve with the tech? So I would drive my bosses crazy by asking questions like, well, how does this actually solve the problem? How does it make anybody any money? Which then led me into roles at product uh, development and product management. So I grew up in the telecom field, uh, building the next generation of networks, uh, the internet, you know, we call it the plumbing of the uh, internet and private networks for banks. Um, so I created products, uh, you know, very unsexy stuff, you know, bandwidth uh, services, uh, on, you know, fiber optics, but it, I really discovered the joy of creating product. I, I knew I found my calling at that point. 
so after about a dozen years in product development, product management, uh, and a couple of successful stints, you know, rising through the ranks into executive positions, um, I took on the challenge of doing marketing uh, because you know B two B marketing is extremely difficult. And so some of the leaders and CEOs, you know, tapped uh, tapped me on the shoulder and said, "Hey, look, you know how to build this stuff uh, inside out. Can you come help us?" figure out how to actually go market it. So I spent five years, you know, using data and analytics. I extended my framework of product development and product marketing, uh, really figuring how to tell the story to, um, you know, enterprises on what bandwidth could actually do. But then I decided about five years, I said, you know what, marketing is really not uh, where my long-term goal, as well as, you know, I was, uh, I was getting itchy to, to learn something new. I always follow my passion and saying, you know, what else can I learn? Where else can I grow? Uh, to continue my quest of solving problems, uh, you know, for the world and society at large. And that led me to discovering the world of AI. Uh, and I started taking up um, consulting roles. And in particular, the branch conversational AI was beginning to take hold. So I, I fell into it and I took the framework that I had created over the last about 20 years. And I said, well, what would it take to create AI powered products and services? And, you know, through the American Red Cross, Citigroup, Lowe's, you know, the, the list started growing. Everybody started tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, can you come help us figure out how to leverage uh, conversational AI? And at that time, this is not three years ago, I said, you know, I stepped out of corporate. Uh, I was completely free. Uh, a lot of people say they're jealous of this because, you know, as an innovator, I say I can go create whatever I want. I can mm -hmm. ask any questions I want. And so um, one of my favorite projects, uh, I tell the story today, Lowe's is a Fortune uh, 40 home improvement retailer. Um, they're an incredible company, uh, very innovative. And you know, they were talking about, you know, how do we go uh, transform the experience for our customers in our stores? So I helped them with that. It was an extremely rewarding experience, you know, going all the way from the technology side to the business side. Uh, and so, you know, doing these projects also made me realize that there's a huge demand and a very low supply of talent. And so I was literally getting at the height of the pandemic, three to four project offers a day. I'm not kidding. I had recruiters tapping me on the shoulder to LinkedIn and going, you know, every time we type, you know, chatbots or conversational AI, your, your name keeps popping up. And they said, we cannot find people. So I still remember this. I might still have it in my LinkedIn post. I created a post, open call. I said, I have 10 jobs in conversational AI. I can make warm introductions to roles waiting, you know, for people to come in. Uh, I also had a lot of people saying, wow, this is amazing. You're bringing zero people applied. So what that taught me is we've got a supply demand problem of mm -hmm. talent. So summer of 2020, I created a pilot where I mentored and trained 10 people, five grad school interns, five women who were trying to pivot in their careers into this space. Women in voice is where I've been mentoring a lot of women. And in six months, they built me a proof of concept. And here's what I learned. The grad school interns told me they're not learning any of this in school. Education system's broken, not getting kids ready for the exponential age that's above the age of automation. And the women pivoting into this, uh, said, you know, the mentorship helped them uh, and the ability to actually build something. So, you know, there's so many boot camps and courses that people are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on and they come out and they go, we can't find a job because it's like a catch 22. They say, do you have experience? They don't have experience. So I said, build me a product. So I had to build me a proof of concept for AI assistance for small, medium businesses, which is also a product we're incubating within the company. So Stephen, I've learned 
couple of things to this journey so far. Uh, I think we have an extremely uh, important responsibility and an opportunity to actually help people prepare for what I'm calling the, the exponential age. Actually, it's Azim Azhar's book, I highly recommend, mm -hmm. um, where he's given bigger context to what's going on. And so that's how I find myself here. As you know, I've created and grown the company. I've got a team, I'm training people. Uh, we work with the Fortune 100 clients. Um, I'm also organically getting pulled into being an advisor for um, startups uh, that are becoming Web3 native. They wanna add conversational AI you know, as a, uh, a, you know, a natural part of how they're going to go grow. So anyway, just a little bit about what <laughs> I'm involved in. Amazing, amazing. And what a colorful journey you've had from computer science to marketing, to products, to innovation, to actually bringing in new concepts into companies, to helping women, helping people, who don't have experience looking for experience, but also trying to, um, you know, you know, get 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 that experience through some of these new technologies. It's amazing the twists and turns in a positive manner for, for that matter. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I can, I, can, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can I can relate I can relate to the computer science thing as we we're describing. I mean, you know, I'm I, you know I'm you know I'm a brown guy as well. You know, I mean, like that was the general norm you know within, right. within the families you know it's uh engineering yep. or doctor or you know yep. uh yep. <laughs> um, i went the business route <laughs> so Despite I, I can everybody say don't yeah. go on the commerce side go into the science stream you know yeah. i've been through you know all those things too but we find our way right you found your absolutely. way absolutely absolutely and it's that and you you mentioned a very very important thing it's that quest for that knowledge and what's missing out there in the in 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 the world right now and um it's kind of identifying that and actually coming up with some solutions as opposed to just being so conceptual and out there you know it's it's actually coming down to the to the ground and actually making some changes there so i can i can completely relate it to what you're saying and it makes a lot, a lot of sense now you mentioned about conversational ai and um exponential age um let's just delve a little bit more into that is that is that is that your primary focus, Jyoti, at the, at the moment? It is. Um, and and the, the reason is actually very simple. So if you think about the journey, you know, from a technology standpoint, and by the way, technology is leading everything, right? Mm. Uh, it looks like our entire world is being designed, world of work and social society, right? And so uh, as I started working, like I said, three years ago, I didn't realize that there was a bigger wave that was upon us. Right. I said, okay, so there's a natural uh, wave. You know, the internet was born around the 80s. It started growing. I'm an internet baby. I grew up, uh, you know, emailed at universities and things like that. So I feel like I'm a native and I've gone through web one, web two, and I see web three. Uh, you know, you saw the rise of web applications, mobile applications, cloud services, and then AI lingering in the background with the very few that had money to waste and spend and experiment. Um, and, you know, AI has been around since the 1950s, it's gone through its winters, it's sort of come up and down, but it's only when there is the sets of trends that come together does, you know, things take off. You've heard of the S-curve of growth, right? And so AI has been tried and failed and tried and failed over the last, I would say, decade at least. This particular branch, conversational AI, I wouldn't even be saying this even 18 months ago, but the tech has gotten better and better. You know, natural language processing, automatic speech recognition, it's fed by data systems. So as I've been working on these projects and I looked up 
And I started to see these trends come out and I think, you know, what is going on, which I'm part of many, many diverse communities. And I'm hearing all the changes that are going on, you know, the educational system, the recruiting system, you know, DE&I, and all of a sudden the dots started to connect. And it, I came across the exponential aid. I forget who recommended this to me when I read books and I read a lot. I, I actually am learning from Jim Quick how to read faster because I feel like there's just so much happening. But there became a simple truth that said, you know, the World Economic Forum calls it the fourth industrial revolution, but it didn't quite seem right. I mean, there's something that's missing. There was the humanity part of it that was missing. And I always say, you know, we as a world and society have to move ahead in equal parts as much as technology, as much as humanity. They have to be poured in equal amounts. Capitalism, I always say I'm a human first capitalist, but you know, I make sure that I'm gonna bring humanity along with me. It can't be just a few that enjoy the, the fruits of the labor of many, right? This has been a, a longstanding problem. And the term exponential age completely explained everything. So, you know, Azim Azar, he's, a, he's an award-winning journalist. He's yeah. been an entrepreneur himself. Uh, you know, he was born in the same year I, I was. It was just spectacular. He also is brown. But his view and the journey that I went through, it was similar, except we were two different genders, you know, with the, the way the society shapes you and the freedom that, you know, a man has to do things. With. All those things started coming together. And I said, this is something that people are not aware is upon us. Yeah. And so in equal parts, I am now advising our enterprise clients, the senior leaders, the CXOs, saying you have to think about the problem statement in a different way. In other words, it's the mindset that has to change. Yeah. What has got us to this point of the world's development will not get us through this next age that's coming in. I was telling somebody yesterday, I was at um, Innovation of Large Organizations, I lead their AI impact group. And we were talking about, you know, the problem we've got with uh, innovations actually taking off, right? People making the right decisions and remote work. And I said, you know, I think we have to go back to Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. I think we have to innovate being humans again. Yeah. So everything boils down back to looking at ourselves as humanity, because I think it's a human problem before it is a technology problem. Right. So that lens has become so clear. And with that communication, we're able to break through so many, you know, mindsets that are stuck with saying, well, you know, we're trying to jam AI. I tell people, people look at AI like a, a hammer looking for a nail. Yeah. I'm like, you can't think of it it's, that it's way. Not. I'm going to flip the, it's yeah. not right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, can you imagine me having this conversation? I'm very open and transparent. So, you know, a lot of my clients love me because they're like, we need different thinking. We need somebody to come in because when you're inside an enterprise, you probably know this, you have a corporate career too, right? Yeah. When we are employees inside, it's very hard to get the organization to move because there's political gamification, all that stuff. But all of a sudden, when you're on the outside, you come in as an expert, nobody feels threatened. Yeah. Independent, <laughs> you're able to influence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? It's yeah. just so amazing. I mean, I have a lot of clients saying, can we hire you, you know, as an employee? I said, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you want the freedom for me to go explore and bring the knowledge into you to help you solve. So anyway, that's sort of the world that I now see. Uh, and I think exponential age is a beautiful word. 
Uh, he's got a newsletter as well. Uh, and he really does the blending of, you know, tech and mm -hmm. humanities and arts. Uh, Yuval Harari, uh, I'm a fan of his as well. You know, he looks at the, the tracing of humanity from the the moment that you know the first protein molecule came yeah. about and <laughs> right so we have to go back to thinking where we came from in order to figure out how we're going to get to the next stage because i don't think what we've got we've got a we've got a broken world but i'm an optimist yeah i think we can build it we have to build it together so i say we are the builders of the exponential age that's how yeah. i sort of tell my clients to think about us yeah Jyoti, and, and you're absolutely right and and i was reading somewhere that the exponential age will transform economics and humans forever and it's it's hard for us to fathom any exponential change but our inability to do so could tear us apart as businesses economies people the fabric of the society so i can completely recognize with you so where are you finding some of the challenges in you know when you're interacting with with companies, you know, you mentioned quite a few companies. We're familiar with all of them, actually. I'm from Canada, by the way, so I do know those. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> so I'm very much familiar with uh, with, with that company. Uh, but yeah, just generally, where are the challenges that you are experiencing, or or you find companies experiencing, and that might be with certain types of sectors, technology aside, uh, but just generally. Um, can you give us a bit of a, a view on, on, on that, please? Sure. Um, so, you know, you'll appreciate this being in, in technology yourself and you've come through, you know, a similar type of journey as me. So when, when enterprise is trying to figure out, you know, how do they achieve business outcomes, right? Uh, it's, it's no longer solutioning. You've got, you know, technology vendors, you've got innovation teams, you've got the CFO, you've got lines of business, you've got the IT team, the operations team. And no single person can make a unanimous decision by themselves, a unilateral, excuse me, unilateral decision, right? So when, when I'm walking and I do the strategic assessment for all our clients and my team comes in and helps deliver on the outcomes, right? As we sit down at the table with the teams, uh, it's got to be like, you know, where is the power balance at? Right. And you know this, right? IT is always crying that they're the uh, and you know, I'm from IT, so I yeah. tell them I have worn your shoes and yeah. I know what it feels like. They feel like they're a cost center. They are constantly getting yelled at uh, by the CFO, by the lines of business who say, Well, you cannot deliver fast enough. You know, what did you do with the money that we gave you? Right. There's just broken communication lines. Yeah. And believe it or not, I have clients asking me to come in and build their bridge to the functional, you know, if it's IT, they said, hey, can you talk to our business team? Yeah. It's the business team, they said, hey, can you help us with the IT team? Because it comes down to communication, the yeah. very basics of the human language. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, you go to any typical meeting with, you know, the IT guys and the business teams together, you know, here's how it typically goes, right? Uh, where are your requirements? Tell us what you want to build, we'll go build it. Yeah. And the business guys go, I don't know what's possible to build. Why don't you tell me what's possible? And then they go round and round. And then there's a document written that, you know, has, okay, requirement 1.1.1, 1.1.2. And then you've got the teams. And look, I am from India. I was born in India. I love my brethren as much as I am proud yeah. to be a U.S. citizen. But in India, they sit down and they go, I am an order taker. I yeah. will build and you have to give me exact requirements. And I kid you not, on one of the projects, you know, because we have a time zone difference, I would have to wake up the next day 
on a seven o'clock call with them to see what they've built. And I said, well, why didn't you think about this differently out of the box? Oh, we were waiting for you to tell us. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I mean, so the cultural part. So let's think about how things are built technically for enterprises, right? So that's one big challenge everybody's got is the way outsourcing works. Uh, where does the creative thinking, you know, I ask very simple questions. I tell people like, look, it's not rocket science. I'm not a rocket scientist, okay? I'm a regular person, but I'm curious. And I ask them four simple questions. The three, first three questions are, what is the problem? Why is it a problem? And for yeah. whom is it a problem? And what defines success if we solve that problem? Yeah. Very simple. Yeah. And they all will look at me and I refuse, I forbid anybody in the room to talk about technology. Yeah. If the IT guys start building it, I said, nope. Uh, the purpose of our discussions right now is to ensure that any stakeholder that has anything to do with this particular project is going to first come to a common understanding of answering that question. And what follows, Stephen, is just a spectacular way where people go, oh, just yeah. yesterday I was on a call. And the tech team, I asked them this question. They're building, they're in the midst of building and launching okay, capability for the client. And I said, what is the problem you're solving? Why is it a problem, right? Oh, we can write that down and give it to you. I said, you just built something without having that. And the clients on the call and the clients start saying, yeah, well, yeah, you know what? No, we didn't think about it that way. It changed 80% of the design. Mm -hmm. Rocket scientist? I don't yeah. think so, right? That is the biggest problem that if you can get that together, everything else works out. Yeah. Everything else. That's one big thing. The next big thing, people that are inside enterprises are mired by, you know, politics of working in an organization, you know, working 60 hours a week. I've had a young managed thirties with a young family. Uh, it was actually a project that we were working on. He confided in me. He said, I ended up in the emergency room because I had chest pains. This is so much for me to learn. I don't know a lot of this. So teams and executives are being asked to become AI experts overnight. Mm. It's crazy. So behind closed doors, I have executives very frustrated telling me, we don't know this stuff. We're busy trying to keep the lights on now. Mm -hmm. How does anybody expect us to have the headspace to think about this? Which, you know, happily is why they hire Fresh River. Yeah. Because you have to have headspace to actually know what's going on. If all you see are the big three cloud vendors in front of you, you know, saying, here's a five, you know, year, $20 million, eat all you want from our cloud services. They don't know the difference on using an AI tool from one versus the other. And so that's where it begins to dawn on them that they don't know what they don't know. And they do not have enough time in the day and the headspace to think about how to creatively use a tool. It's just, everything's just go, 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 yeah. right? And then the third problem is the mindset of experimentation. Hmm. Everybody expects everything to work the first time. Or, or the lack of it, right? <laughs> or the lack of it, right? Yeah. It's crawl, walk, run. You know, hmm. I, I don't even want to use the word agile anymore because it just, it, it, everything's been bucketized so much. Yeah. So I say, look, it's crawl, walk, run. That people get, that becomes a common language. So the use of these buzzwords, because people think different 
ways when you tell them agile versus waterfall. And it's like a bad word, you know, say a waterfall. No, no, we don't work in waterfall. Yet when you go and you work with them, they're working in waterfall. Yeah. Right. So these three things are the big chunks of challenges. So I dive in there first alongside, of course, talking to their security and regulatory folks, because they can put big boulders in front of the projects that if you don't knock those down first, nothing's going to move. So it's, you know, helping the teams prioritize and saying, okay, here is the the next three months of the roadmap, what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to break it down. Here's what we need to do. And people really love it because they actually have clarity on what they need to do. But I said, I want you to think for heaven's sake, think ask the question, be curious. So I do a lot of mentoring up and down the chain, executives, engineers, right? Is getting them to think, but it's very hard, Stephen, the culture within corporations is just so hard. I've lived it and I knew what it was like when I was on the inside. So just coming from the outside, they're like, oh, it's such a breath of fresh air to have the conversation. But then of course they have to go back and deal with (laughs) what they're dealing with. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And and uh, as you were describing, you know, one of those problems about executives, you know, just trying to keep the lights on and not knowing how to navigate through, you know, new technologies that are hitting them left, right, and center. And we are really moving at a high, high pace in terms of innovation and trends and technologies. Even though things have been around, it, it is hitting and it's got a direct impact on growth. Just imagine, right, the fear in some of these executives that they don't have that knowledge and how do they gain that knowledge rapidly? And obviously that's where people like yourself come into the picture. The other piece around cultural and mindset and and the communication element, uh, you're absolutely right. And I've been in the corporate world, uh, I've seen it and it takes eons sometimes to actually move things and I'm having conversations with companies as well. And you would have noticed this, or you might be noticing this, technology in some companies is isolated as one of those groups that just does work for the business as opposed to being an enabler. It's not even a it's not even a strategic agenda on the executive team or on the board as well. And, and it is so old school, right? Uh, when things are moving so quickly, I mean, like even I have had to educate myself on the things that you were describing. I have concepts of it, but you know, I, I, I was educating myself and imagine where some of the companies don't even think about this. They are basically just doing the doing every That's day. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, uh, I, that's why I, I go back to Maslow's hierarchy. We have to rethink Let's go back how to the first we level, are doing right? our work. Let's go <laughs> to the first level. Yeah. Oh, seriously, Stephen, think about it. People are so burnt out that I have people saying they don't have time to eat. Hmm. They don't have time to sleep. They're barely sleeping. And I say, this has got to change. You cannot have fresh, bright, creative ideas if you're not doing the basics money is sitting in the bank people are making like amazing salaries but they are miserable i will also tell you i now have very high-ranking executives in fortune 50 companies telling me they want out and they say they're jealous of what i'm able to do like i have the freedom right 
they want out because they've had enough. They said yeah. this this life is not worth, especially those that are you know nearing the age where they got you know financial freedom. You know the top ten percent, they're not very happy. The ones that are sitting in the enterprises. Yeah, I said you have one life to live. You don't have to drop dead. You know how many people in their forties are dropping dead? Oops. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. I can hear you. Go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I think my Zoom just crapped out on me, but we're back. That's okay. We're back. Um, <laughs> so there's a real human urgency for people to take a hard look at their lives, which is why 20 million Americans quit their jobs in the second half of last year. There's a massive change happening. I believe in the next even three years, the enterprises, the way they are, they will not survive if they don't change the ways of working. Yeah. What you just described, right? Ramming work through, just going and going and going. And it's the law of large numbers, yeah. right? If you look at the Fortune 100, I think roughly they're about $6 billion in revenue and above. Trying to get 5%, forget 10% growth. How do you do that? with the humans you have in place. What you said earlier is very critical. If technology is not center stage, not part of the strategic agenda, they will get left behind, right? And so what is the role of the CIO and CTO that has been an order taker? Literally, because they're not on the strategic agenda, they don't have time to think, their teams don't have time to eat, sleep. Like people are constantly in meetings. So on one of my key projects, I had people saying, oh, I, I don't have time. They were double, triple booked. Mm. I said, this is insanity. Insane. <laughs> right? And I said, I, my team and I will not work in this manner. Mm. So here's what I did with a little control that we had for our project, right? Because I literally said, we will do whatever you want us to. I said, okay, I will host two one-hour meetings in a week. Other than that, everybody work in the way you need to work between groups of two or three. You've got Slack, you've got Jira, you've got all these communication tools. The problem is everybody has to be on all the time. So where's your space to do creative thinking? And I said, on these one hour sessions, everybody who's involved in the project, external vendors, internal folks, you have these two one hours of Tuesdays and Fridays. I said, come with your questions that the entire team needs to be on. Not everybody has to be in every meeting all the time. Like, you know, simple ways of, you know, breaking up work. So I think there's a huge opportunity to, if someone could come up, I have this in my head, but I don't have time to do everything, right? I'm like, if somebody could come up with software that can allow people to say, oh, you need to be in this meeting. You don't need to be in this meeting. You need to be in this meeting. You don't need to be. <laughs> it worked beautifully in four months. Yeah. We converted 30 of the locations of the company that we did work for yeah. from a 15-year-old IVR to state-of-the-art conversational AI. Going from press one for this, press two for this, and the poor employees were on the phone all day long transferring people versus taking care of customers in the stores yeah. to saying, welcome to store one, two, three, how may I help you today? That was an AI assistant picking up the phone, available 24-7. Amazing. And it was delivered in four months because the head of IT said to me, she had promised the, um, the line of business leader that she would get it done in four months. And I'm like, okay, I literally landed August 7th and November 7th. She's like, we got to get this done. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, but you're going to have to work the way I recommend everybody works. 
and it was a project everybody wanted to work on yeah because yeah. they had time to think i say think we would do meditation yeah on friday so i started this thing where i was hosting um uh you know everybody just jump on it was the highest attended event we would just come on people will have their beers their wines you know because it's like four o'clock after four o'clock i said nobody is working just get on friday afternoons i had external vendors on executives would come on i said just come on and let's just chill together relationship building so when you're doing you're working 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 you don't have time to build relationships either and how does work happen steven you know that right yeah 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 no, that I, yeah, com com completely agree. And I like the idea of the meditation piece. It, it's sometimes it's a stigma, right, within within organizations, and how you actually position it and what you do is important. I'll, I'll give an example. It just it's not direct meditation, but you know, you're you're mentioning about meetings and you know, a triple booked and so forth. You know, I proposed, and um, and this is not completely new, but. Uh, instead of one hour meetings, make it either 30 minute meetings or less or 25 minute meetings or 45 minute meetings and spend at least maybe one minute just before you actually begin with your agenda, just to quieten yourself and center your mind and actually then get into the agenda. It's worked from a productivity perspective and actually focus. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. and the meditation wow. piece. Yeah, and the meditation piece is, is is important. I'm still I'm still on that journey to get people on board with that. Some people still frown on it, you know. But oh, obviously, if the, if you tell them yes, there's beer and wine. After. That's right. They show up. See, yeah. uh, look again yeah. back to the human condition and the psychology. You yeah. know what else is rising? At least in the U.S. I don't know about the U.K. and Canada. I have friends now that they run consulting for people, number one is be kind to yourself, which includes the meditation. It, it, it is real hard work mm -hmm. for people to be kind to themselves because when you are kind to yourself, which includes meditating, breathing, calming down, can then you be kind to anybody else and then get work done, yeah. right? You know, being your own cheerleader. Uh, so a good friend of mine, Neelu Kora, is releasing a book. She coaches executives in big tech companies about how to work kindly with themselves and can you imagine we're down to the basics of being human again mm -hmm. and they're on the rise she's busy all the time there is so much demand because there's only so much you can do you know as human beings it's not about filling you know 60 hours of your day it's not a badge of honor like oh i only sleep four hours i said oh you're gonna drop dead soon man you shouldn't do that yeah yeah I don't know when they will wake up because there's too many people and it starts from the top. Mm -hmm. If the top leaders don't practice that, nobody else is going to practice. So look, they're leading like hundreds yeah. and thousands of people. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're absolutely right. Right. Because it's, people still, even though the general idea is everyone is empowered, is enabled, ultimately, you know, your CEO, your chairperson, whoever it is at the top, needs to have that mindset and 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 brings those elements to the workforce and only then will that those you know that the the, the cultures and the behaviors will change or will That's be right. adopted right otherwise it's just operational yeah <laughs> no so that's the other thing that really 
concerns me is the way that people at the top look at their employees literally as numbers, mm-hmm. as machines. And I will tell you what uh, some of our clients are asking us to do. Quote, unquote, we need to replace 30% of our staff in the contact center. Please build us AI assistance for that. Of course, we can do it. But yeah. I knew three years ago, I wrote my manifesto down, Stephen, because I said, when I am successful at this, because I knew I can do this. I believe that I can. I will experiment. I'll fail. I'll learn. I'll keep moving. I know I'm going to cost people their jobs. Right? So the, the thinking about the humans is really important because we already have this gap between the have and the have nots, right? The uh, 80% of wealth is centered into, you know, the top one, five, 10%. Yeah. The ones that have been left behind will be left even further behind. So that thinking around retraining, reskilling, upskilling, making sure that people can eat, sleep, take care of their kids. You know, we've got problems around, you know, women have, were set back, what, to the 1980s relative to, you know, the workforce and stuff. So there's all these fundamental issues. And I think there's a tsunami coming. Mm-hmm. I can just feel it. And if these leaders don't wake up and change, first, it starts with them. Only when they're kind to themselves. Because you know, a lot of people say, well, I put in these kind of hours. And for the listeners who are going to be listening to this, if you're in your 40s and above or even 30s, get a calcification test because yeah. the U.S. insurance at least doesn't pay for it. Just Google how many men, especially in this age bracket, are dropping dead literally. Yeah. Even though they're healthy in other places. So people have to wake up. And I say, look, if you're, you know, you want to be around to enjoy the fruits of your labor, but if you're not kind to yourself, you can't be kind to anybody else. If you don't practice what you preach, and you know, everything else is just DEI, all of them, they're check boxes. Like I see stuff happening and I'm like, I see DEI. We're a women-owned certified company, right? And you know, we have access to supply diversity procurement folk yeah. leaders uh, through that certification. They have no control, yet they have a DEI you know, mandate to meet, but they said we have no influence over decision-making. So I'm like, look, there's no change really happening. If you want growth in the company, you got to look at the whole system. Yeah. So, you know, when I walk in there and I said, look, we're a, we're a small little consultancy. We're going about our ways. But when you go in and you talk to people, there's a sense of relief. I see, see in their eyes, mm. see, which gives me hope to say, you know, I said, just try it. I know your peers are not meditating. Your peers are not doing this. You do it. Why wouldn't you start there, right? So I try to appeal to them as humans, you know, beyond all the ego and, you know, all the things that they got to deliver with growth and the numbers. I said, let's come back to talking about humans and then we can go build anything yeah. around it, right? Capitalism will be there. Yeah. People will make money, but bring others with you. So mentorship is another thing that's on the rise. So, you know, I say, if you give one, if I mentor people all the time, I said, the only thing that I ask in return is that you put your hand out and help somebody else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right. The human, the human side of things. And, and I, can, I can completely understand what you're saying when you go into companies and you actually refocus the topic from build to actually just think about the human side of things as well and you might be doing directly or indirectly but you know you need to bring that element out because that's such an important that's a, such an important aspect in order for the actual build to be 
to be successful in the long term. Absolutely. I say uh, we will deliver you outcomes. I promise and I commit to our clients. Once we have agreed upon what outcome you want, I said, I will guarantee we can deliver because we've done it over and over again, right? It's the framework, right? Yeah. If, if I say, what is the value I bring to the table? I say, it's a framework that's an equal parts business technology and humanities, right? I said that I will promise you, but how we do it is important also because you want this sustainable. You want the people building it to feel like they, they want fulfillment, Stephen. People want fulfillment in their jobs. Do you know how many people that are joining my company, where they're coming from? They're coming from Amazon, Google, mm -hmm. Microsoft, the big enterprises, because they're shedding like crazy because they've had enough. They said the money doesn't matter anymore. I don't have a life. Yeah. I can't see my kids. Yeah. I can't travel. I want to do these things. I put out a job posting last year, and I'll never forget this. I had a client that needed to move very quickly and I had to go hire multiple roles, right? In the, the on the AI team in, and I wrote up the job posting very differently. I said, I need people with integrity, uh, the right kind of empathy and a fire in the belly to learn and solve problems. If you've done work in this space, great. If not, I still want you to apply, right? Trust is our number one currency. Mental health is our top priority for our team, right? Yeah. In 24 hours, I had 17 applicants at the height of, uh, you know, the highest demand in the job openings were like massive. Mm -hmm. And the one common thing everybody told me, and they came from Google and Amazon. I mean, I had PhDs in yeah. AI and machine learning, right? So I would, I would tell them, they said, it's something about how you wrote the, the job description. Because uh, I never tell people, I hire you on your resume, never. I, you know, equally, if somebody has got a spectacular, you know, Ivy League uh, education and, you know, these big companies, I only look for those three things. Because if you have people that have integrity, empathy, and a fire in the belly, yeah. they can learn anything, they can do anything for you. Yeah. That hit a chord. I had a young lady working at one of these big tech companies in their AI group, getting paid $14 an hour right out of school four years ago. And she was making $23 an hour when I spoke with her. I hired her and I doubled her salary. Mm. So there's these fundamental problems that are happening. And a lot of these enterprises are saying, we can't find people. I'm like, I don't have any issues finding people. Yeah, that's true. But of course, I have the opportunity and freedom to create the culture in my company the way I want. Yeah. I created the company that I wanted to work for. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and because you're progressive minded and you look at that bigger picture and you've got that, um, you know, that flexibility, you're, you know, you, 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 you're able to do that. Uh, and, and, and it's such, you know, hats off to you for that, Jyoti, because I think people need people like yourself, leaders like yourself to do that. Um, you have to be but, brave. There, there's a lot of courage that you need, right? To yeah, walk away from yeah. something that's toxic. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's yeah. a risk. Yeah. It's a risk. Yeah. 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 That's that's uh, that's a that's a that's a very important uh, element. The the toxic elements, and as well as having the courage to do that. Um, so Jyoti, let's let's shift the focus here. So tell me a little bit about you. You you know outside of your professional day to day. What, uh, what, what interests do you, uh, do you like the most? So, uh, I really walk the talk for 
my team, you know, my family, my kids, because I said, you have to take care of yourself. So I have, I've always been interested in music. So I've been learning vocal music for the last couple of years. Um, I always used to love to sing. I have a musical year, like, you know, I can produce a, a, a song on like, you know, piano or harmonium, because I have that. I've never had formal training. So music is really important. And I, and I the reason why I also love that is I, I'm really focused on how our brains work. Yeah. I think music has that ability. I think we're, all of us are bundles of energy. I have this life philosophy that says, you know, when we're born, we're bestowed with superpowers and, you know, you spend your lifetime uncovering them and helping make the world a better place and leave it in a better place before you go. And so if you think about us as being bundles of energy and you think about music that affects, you know, energy, how it creates. Um, I also love going out in nature. I bike, I walk every morning. It, I never, ever set early morning meetings. Um, my goal has always been to work within 40 hours, but 40 hours of real creative thinking, like creating my best work. Yeah. And so outside of it, I love cooking. Um, I'm actually a vegetarian, but I learned how to cook, you know, all kind of meats and fishes. I, cause I, I think about things as flavor profiles. So yeah. I'm an avid cook. I cook every day for my family. You know, once five o'clock, five thirty rolls around, I close my computer and I focus on, okay, what are we going to feed our, our bodies today? Right. So music, food, traveling. I love learning about different cultures. I read a lot. I love learning about history because I feel like all that is like food for your soul and your brain. Yeah. So outside of it, I make sure I'm healthy and happy. I actually went through a very bad episode three years ago when I was exiting corporate. Uh, very, very deep. I, I wouldn't call it clinical depression, but it was an anxiety level. It was very deep. I couldn't get out of bed yeah. and I had burnt myself out. And since that time, as I made my way back into wellness, I said, there's nobody and nothing that will ever come in my way uh, to living a joyful life, right? So I focus on things that I love to do that make me happy, that make my family happy. And of course, you know, I'm a daughter, daughter-in-law, you know, traditional Indian households are the way they are. My mom-in-law lives with us. She has Parkinson's. My mom's visiting. She has Parkinson's. So, you know, balancing out. And I have my coworker, Charlie, who is a miniature poodle who's been with us for the last uh, seven years. He's nine years old. And so learning to have, you know, a pet. So I just surround myself by that. Um, and when I come to my work, it doesn't feel like work. See, that was where I wanted to get to. I could see distinctly when I was in the corporate life, this was work. And then I would struggle to make time to do the things that I love doing. And so now I say, I'm going to draw that boundary. And I tell my team as well, I forbid anybody to work more than 40 hours because those 40 hours are the precious creative time. And I said, outside of that, I insist the non-negotiable is you have to eat, sleep, meditate, exercise, rest, and do the things you love because I feel that makes allows us to uncover that superpower that we've got to create. So that's what I love doing. So it sort of blends in you know, the, the, my waking hours and sleep. So I have an order ring. Yeah. I'm very maniacal about making sure I get enough sleep. Um, and then, you know, yoga, things like that. So I'm, I, I try to keep my stress levels in check. The cortisol can really be a killer. Yeah. Sounds like very balanced and uh, very disciplined. 
hats off to you for that. <laughs> it took a long time. Yeah. I have to say it wasn't easy. And there's days that I will, you know, of course, go lopsided. Yeah, we yeah. But meditation, yeah. you yeah. know what you said? So John Kabat-Zinn is probably the best meditation framework I have ever found. He's a no nonsense, very simple. He's got an app as well. So every morning I wake up, that's the first thing I put in my ear. And you, you actually go into the, between the sleep, the alpha state. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is actually scientifically proven. It works. I can sense it. You know, when you release from all the thoughts and the thinking, it makes a huge difference. And so I, I really encourage a lot of the executives that I work with. And I said, you need to do this for your work to move yourself forward. It's not just this thing that you got to do because like you said, there's a stigma to it, right? So yeah. Yeah. going back to being human, yeah. <laughs> I always come back to that, right? <laughs> How about we go back to being human? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, completely, completely agree. So Joshi, what's, uh, what's the next big uh, business or personal adventure for you? So um, I'm actually focused, obviously, I'm, you know, trying to grow our, our consultancy for, for the large enterprises um, and, you know, make sure that I'm guiding the startups and I'm advising uh, accurately. But there's, there's something cooking for the last two years, uh, which is I also use as an apprenticeship, which is I want to have small, medium businesses be able to hire AI assistants. So we're actually incubating a product. So I'm, I'm trying to like chart the course. I've got some incredible advisors coming on board. Uh, and everything's been bootstrapped. So that's the other thing I'm, I'm really, really proud of. I, you know, other than a business loan, I have not taken, you know, any, you know, private equity or VC money. I'm trying to see if I can continue that bootstrapped uh, focus because, you know, I think there is a incredible opportunity to responsibly deploy AI into the world. Um, so small and medium businesses make up 99% of the economy, backbone yeah. of the economy. So that's really where I'm trying to shape, uh, you know, the growth card for that product. But we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Wonderful. Well, we're coming to a close very shortly. Um, do you want to share any closing messages or a challenge to other leaders? Um, one, of course, you know, be kind to yourself. Um, this is the one life you have to live. And you know, spend the time being kind so you can discover your superpowers and don't settle for toxic environments. Um, there's so much out there, so many problems to solve, so many good problems to solve. Find your place in this upcoming exponential age uh, to ensure that, you know, you have longevity and you can have, actually have impact. So that's what I would, I would recommend to everybody to take a really close look at. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jyoti, for being with us today and sharing your journey and this important topic of exponential age and all the journey and experience you've, you've, you've shared. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it, Stephen. Okay, folks, thank you very much for listening in and stay tuned for our next episode with another great leader who will be sharing her journey on how she's rallying investments and investment opportunities for businesses in emerging markets and creating a new dragon's den style. Thank you and have a wonderful day.